Hi everyone and welcome. This is Webwings, a podcast ready to dive in the dynamic and exciting world of e-commerce. As awful as that sounds, it's a big part of our world now and as a business it's likely to be part of what you do or how you might be thinking of moving forwards. Uh, my name is Alex and I'm here with Andy. We're your hosts and we're going to be taking you through everything you need to know, everything that you didn't know you needed to know and how to stay ahead of the curve with any e-commerce business. Hello. So, you know, the beauty of e-commerce is exactly the reason a lot of people struggle with it. It's continuously evolving, reflecting our changing preferences, technology, and unfortunately, even legislation. This is going to be an informal, free-flowing spouting of stuff that we have learned over years and designed to be accessible above everything else. There's too much heavy, dreary, and dull content out there that is either a nightmare to wade through, out of date, or even worse, just a method of trying to sell you something. Nobody is going to ask you to jump on a call. No one's going to ask you to enter your email address to get our latest book or sign up for a 10-weeks-long course at many thousands of your hard-earned currency tokens just to hear more of our melodious voices. This is simply us sharing with the world what we think is useful and relevant, and we hope that you think so too. And that's the plan. Over the next few weeks, months, whatever, we're going to be putting these out and hopefully people are going to find them useful. So we need to find somewhere that we can start. And what is e-commerce is probably a pretty good one. Definitely. Uh, Definitely the first thing we're going to have to cover, and it's more than we could do in a whole week of podcasts than this little bit of an intro, but boiling it down in the broadest sense, e-commerce or electronic commerce, which nobody calls it, is anything where you or whoever it might be, might buy or sell goods via the internet. It's just not a one-size-fits-all model like the name would suggest, though. In fact, it branches out into four main categories, and we're going to try and cover them in detail over the next few episodes and then even go further and drill down into the sub-models that might make even more sense. Uh, But for now, the basic overview is where we will start and likely familiar to you already, even if you haven't heard the terms before. Yeah, everyone will understand what we're talking about in the broad sense but there there are terms that might get banded about and if you're out there looking for resources you might need to know what to to look for so that as a base introduction you got b2c b2b c2c c2b and the fact that we've got into the acronyms already tells you how exciting this can be but that is the beauty of it it proves that the consumer and the industry is already quite lazy and that's where we're going to be teaching you hopefully how to take advantage now we don't really like these terms some of them are actually really clunky and like a lot of pigeonholing can actually be really unhelpful for the creative juices i mean you're already limiting yourself and your growth first of all though we'll go through just what they mean um so you understand exactly where we stand awesome so uh b2c then business to consumer it's very likely what most people are going to think when i talk about e-commerce you hear e-commerce you're thinking someone's going online and a business is selling something to them as an individual consumer it's amazon it's asos and the big kings of the online shopping experience but at the same time it could mean any business that you're buying from whether it be an online version of your local grocery store and see we're 
diverting and we're only on the first acronym. Yeah, definitely. Um, I suppose traditionally, uh, even just going into a supermarket would be considered business to consumer. Exactly. Um, so then we've got C2B, which is consumer to business. Uh, this is where consumers offer goods or services to companies. Uh, freelancing sites such as Upwork and Fiverr are probably the biggest examples of this. Um, C2B could easily also just be considered another form of B2B, which we'll discuss shortly. Uh, next up, of course, then we've got C2C or consumer to consumer. Uh, this is more platforms like eBay and Etsy. Um, but again, is another form, realistically, of B2C in some sense. Uh, but these enable everyday folks to sell directly to other consumers. Please remember, this is just a, a bit of an intro. We're just trying to set the scene here. Yeah. This is very dry. It's not what we're, we're, we're going to be doing, but we just need to make sure people understand the terms. Um, so after that, you've got B2B or business-to-business commerce, and that's obviously where one business sells to another. Uh, there are platforms for doing that. Alibaba, um, Global Sources is a, a long-standing one. Um, connecting manufacturers and wholesalers with retailers. And that's where a lot of the e-commerce big bang in the early 2000s came about. Whether it was a big bang or not is something to possibly discuss. But it's what people will uh, generally use as a bit of a yardstick. It's what got uh, me and many others into selling to people because in order to sell to a consumer business needs products and uh, people who are going to be coming into e-commerce and don't already have a product that you make you're gonna have to buy it from somewhere all the materials and that's where you're going to be looking um kind of person with an online selling mindset is probably going to be buying things from another online retailer just to get to them Um, and it's also worth it remembering that any C2C, consumer to consumer, as Andy went through, has got the potential to be a B2C if you get to the numbers point. Uh, A B2B might sell to consumers if they want enough of the product, which is where the lines entirely blur. Yes, definitely. Yeah, you you don't know what it's going to be. You will pigeonhole it. People will pigeonhole it. You might be a B2B who turns into a C2C. You might be a uh, a B2C, and that's why it, it's important to understand the terms exist. It doesn't necessarily mean that you should try and pigeonhole yourself into it. It doesn't necessarily mean that you as a business should say, I am this, unless it's very, very helpful for you to do so. Uh, as a business, you sell to people who come to you and want to buy your product. Uh, if it doesn't suit how you do business, then that relationship might not work. But you you shouldn't be just thinking, well, I only sell to consumers. You might be sitting on 500 or 1,000 items of stock of a particular line. There might be a business that could buy that whole lot of you with just a phone call. So are you, uh, are you purely uh, a business-to-consumer business? You probably shouldn't be if there's a business out there that would buy you in bulk, and that could... That could elevate you. You could make a month of sales in in a morning, in that case. So no pigeonholing around here other than to help us understand the terms. Yep, definitely. We split things up easily like that, uh, but it doesn't really sum everything up correctly. Anyway, there's a couple of other variations that we're going to touch on today a little bit later, and these will merit their own episode at some point because there's that much to dig into with them. Uh, We might even go all in at some point and, without prejudice, cover MLM schemes as well. Hashtag boss bitch. 
Absolutely. So should we talk about the the sort of the prevalence of e-commerce next, yeah? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, so the prevalence of e-commerce is something that gets misunderstood quite a lot because people will just say, well, everyone buys everything online now, which might be true for some things, I suppose. Yeah, and in some niche areas that might be more true, but not overall. If you look at the figures, and there are loads of figures out there, there's always room for growth, and competition is always good you just need to make sure that you are offering something that other people don't and you're doing it better than the other guy and that can mean an awful lot of things regardless of of how people might word it you doing it better than someone else might be an entirely different part of the process that you're doing better than than someone else rather than just the visual stuff yeah definitely and that's why it's never too late to get involved uh you'll hear businesses and entrepreneurs saying they've missed the boat and it just couldn't be more wrong um, so for, for those who are into their numbers, um, I'll get some, I'll get sure some out there. facts and figures. So that's me. I love my facts and figures. So let's zoom out for a second and look at e-commerce from a sort of a global perspective. Uh, back in 2021, it is worldwide e-commerce sales reached nearly five trillion US dollars, which is an unreal figure uh, and more than the yeah. GDP of many many countries put together. Yeah, yeah. You take you, you could pick a big big block of countries and put them together. The GDP wouldn't touch that no definitely not and in europe uh around about eight seventeen percent of retail sales were online while in asia the the largest e-commerce market saw more than 25 percent of their retail sales happen digitally in america it was around 15 percent and in oceana it was sitting close to nine percent yeah and there's there's some regional differences there isn't there because there are. e-commerce is is taking a big share of retail everywhere and as big as those numbers are with 25 percent in asia 17 in europe that's that is a huge number and that you know adds up to five trillion us dollars overall but yeah they're smaller than you might expect you yep. might think well everyone does all their shopping online like we like we said but only 17% in Europe in 2021. So, uh, no, the markets are not saturated. No. Nope. And people, businesses will always keep looking for alternatives. doesn't matter if your impression is, well, that product's there. It's available on Amazon. That means, therefore, everybody's going to pull up the Amazon app and go for it. And that's something that I really want to make sure we cover in later episodes techniques marketing options and overall strategies because you may sell the same product as somebody else it may be a product that does the same job um, but your customer base may be different it doesn't mean that everybody you buy that product is the same customer base there are so many uh, different nuances that need to be taken into consideration just people's shopping habits people's um, preferred couriers is is a strange one i mean there are, there are people that simply won't buy from some outlets because of a particular courier they use i've got a friend who won't buy from a place if they use a particular courier because yes. he's got a bad experience with his his local depot uh, and that there are all sorts of stories like that out there a little bit of a a unique one that I'll, I'll give it but there are people that won't buy from certain couriers um, there are people that will prefer to buy from shop in a particular geographic area. Yep, shop shop local. Will, yeah, shop shop locals a thing, or even 
it might be that I mean the crazy thing sometimes car companies like American Express will sometimes run um uh deals where you can get additional points if you buy from a smaller business yep. crazy things like that might influence someone's purchasing decision you just need to be positioned right at the right time to get those customers give them the service that they want and then you'll get yourself a, a repeat customer which is what everybody wants um and something that we're we're going to cover at some point not in too much detail now but how e-commerce has changed uh, there's a lot that we can do and it'll be hopefully interesting for some to cover that kind of thing the history uh, there's there's too much going on at the present day to be a relevant business in order to, to get it but it's important to know why things have changed and where they come from because as with any industry e-commerce has experienced so many changes over the past decade you know, market trends and the way that technology is as influenced consumer behavior is probably the the main set of influences but it all leads us to this point now uh but it'll be important to understand where it came from yes it really would um so for example the rise of mobile commerce or m-commerce as it's also known it's one of the biggest shifts we've seen uh more and more consumers are shopping directly from their phones instead Exactly. And let's be honest, no one calls it mobile commerce or m-commerce anymore. At one point, that was a really uh, a term that was banded around all the time. Now it's just shopping. Yeah, it's just, it's on just online shopping. It's part of the the, the overall um, description. Um, so then we've also got the. the if, if we were to put out a, a podcast called Mobile Commerce, no one would care. No, they wouldn't, because nobody well, would really understand what me, that meant. You tell me how it's different. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, then we've also got the modern social media commerce trend uh, where businesses sell directly through most social media platforms, uh, turn into Instagram, Facebook, even TikTok into a shopping experience. Not to mention that consumers today value transparency, transparency even and authenticity more than ever before. Yeah, which makes it really interesting that those are such uh, big slices of the pie yes. because you try and find transparency and authenticity on <coughs> some social platforms when it comes to shopping. Um, very, very lucky to be able to always authenticate where something's coming from. And that's why if you're using those platforms and doing it well and making sure that people understand about your business and where you're coming from, then it can you know, it can just clinch those sales, and a lot of people don't always appreciate the the big impact that's having. And at that point, affiliate marketing is key here because it is all just, on the whole, affiliate marketing when it comes to things like TikTok. It is. Um, who, who've made it really easy now? They have. You, my... can, you can go on to it. Yeah, your, your, your timeline is full, no doubt. You're it, sat there scrolling is. through hilarious videos of people falling over. Yep. And all of a sudden, someone will try and sell you some toilet paper. Yep, um, toilet paper. Uh, what else have I tried to be sold this week? It has been uh, electric barbecue. That was a common one at the minute. Oh, electric barbecue. Mm. And they'll, in the on the whole, all be the, the same product. And that's not necessarily something that has just come around now because for anyone who's old enough to have done the whole 
business-to-business uh, -business buying in bulk from uh, broad, particularly China and, and Asia, uh, back in the early 2000s from global sources or Ali, whatever it might have been. You were swamped with people selling the same thing from the same factory, but they were all a different middleman, and all of them could offer something different. Yeah. That's... Not always the same these days, because very rarely these days does the middleman actually touch the product. And it's it's drop shipping in some of the most um, distant way, in that you perhaps don't even have a relationship as an affiliate marketer with your with whoever might be making the product. You know, you can just oh, I'll I will just promote that in my I'll just add that to my TikTok shop, yeah. and all of a sudden you're an affiliate marketer. Same. Amazon uh, can do the same with their affiliate scheme, although it's not quite as as uh, prevalent on the on the social these days. You tend to find that that works with a YouTube video that people are are doing. Uh, but got to remember, don't ever say to an influencer that they're an affiliate marketer. They really don't like that. No, they do not. But that is how it works. And consumers are not just buying products; they're buying stories, experiences, and even values. Uh, hence the rise of ethical and sustainable e-commerce practices. It's become, sorry, it's been going on for decades in all aspects of uh, commerce, uh, but yeah. making sure it's visible now is more key than ever. Um, carbon neutral 2050 in the UK, for example. Yeah, uh, yeah. Know, it's, no, it's, it's highly important to businesses and to the government, so it influences the way that we pr project ourselves in business. It does, and you can also do various things these days. It's easier to do things these days than it was, uh, you know, even, even 10 years ago. If you wanted to have a more ethical and sustainable business however many years ago, uh, it it was harder to augment your business with those kind of things. These days, there are some really great screens out there where you can tie directly into your store. When someone buys a product, they'll plant a tree for you. Yep. And... And well, yeah, yeah, stuff Everyone's like done that, right? I yeah, think, yeah, definitely. Probably. Yeah, this is everywhere. Offset the carbon of whatever you might be doing. You can. I've got a a fuel card for my car, and every time I fill up, it it plants a tree equal to the amount of uh, nasty stuff it has worked out that it thinks I'm going to be using for the journeys. Yep, definitely. That much fuel. Those kind of things these days are really good if if you do them visibly and honestly is one of the main things because some people say this is a eco product or whatever and consumers can see right that yeah right uh, through that so we will talk at some point about how best to do that because there are some schemes out there that rather than showing that you're a business that is ethical sustainable considerate of the environment all those kind of things some of them will just quite clearly look like lip service and that might not be what you're going for at no. all you know you no. might you might be doing yourself a, a total disservice by falling into some traps of unscrupulous people who are trying to uh, take money off businesses that are genuinely looking to put themselves in a little bit of a, a better position yes out with those um but we'll also go through some of the things in in the history of uh, e-commerce that are, are more perhaps just interest matters. Yep. Uh, 2000, when the, the dot-com bubble burst, 
Did it really? Uh, well, we can have a chat about that. Certainly a lot of businesses went bust, but we've still got quite a lot of them around, and it was uh, bubble bursting and, and Big Bang are two terms that are probably banded around relatively interchangeably uh, because it allowed for a sort of a, a, a rebirth, and very quickly after the bubble burst, things just grew. Um, it might have been growing before, but a little stop, and then you, you pop on. I mean, it was only 2004, then you get things like the PCI standards, payment card industry, and anyone who was around e-commerce in the early 2000s will remember the buckets of money that some companies had to throw at things to make sure they were PCI compliant. Yes. Um, 2007, launch of the iPhone, uh, M-commerce, that term again, suddenly sprouts in a way that it hadn't done before. People are scrolling through and buying on what is essentially a scrolled scrollable version of a of what would be a desktop experience. Yep. And people can all of a sudden make those purchases and apps uh bringing stores literally at the tap of a thumb. And then shortly after that you got social media platforms. So although all of those are historical things. We will be talking about them just because the how they came around, the impact that they had, and even things that we don't even think about today are probably uh, probably of interest, hopefully. And they can help you understand why some stores are built in certain ways. Because back in the old days, I, I don't want to sound too old, but I still remember when there were stores when you used to get an email with someone's credit card details come through in yeah. some stores and you have to put that into a manual terminal yep. isn't that a wonderful idea and i'm glad we've all got rid of those yes uh, it's bad enough as it is these days but history is going to be uh, a part and 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 perhaps a little bit more more recent as well andy yeah so uh, moving on from sort of 2010 we get up to as far as 2015 when uh, mobile traffic actually first exceeded desktop on e-commerce websites, making a big turning point in our behaviour. Um, mobile yeah. shopping has become far more prevalent, and it is the, the go-to these days for people in that sort of respect. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, of course, it changes the way we've done things. Sites have to be responsive these days. There's no argument about that. Absolutely. And then uh, let's not forget the events of 2020. Um, that has become a major catalyst of, of recent for e-commerce. Uh, accelerating digital adoption like never before. You'll find businesses online now that would never even have dreamt of selling online originally. Um, but as physical stores closed and consumers turned to online shopping, uh, we had a record-breaking amount of growth in e-commerce. Oh, goodness. Yeah, that was that was a, a year. And everyone was setting up businesses left, right and centre. And for uh, a lot of us in the industry, that was... That was a, a year where we saw some real innovation coming from people. I mean, I've got so many stories about companies coming to me saying, uh, well, we've we've been in business for 30 years and we've never thought about a website, but um, we've we've had to close, so we're going to need to sell this stock and really quickly. Yeah. And then a few weeks later, oh, we've sold our stock. What do we do now? So, yeah, it yep. was... We, we, we're going to have to have... Maybe even an episode at some point on 
yeah. 2026 20, stories what happened <laughs> and, and, and now because yeah I, I could fill a few hours with that definitely yep and that's going to send everybody to sleep definitely anyway so we're nearly 25 minutes in I suppose we ought to sort of wrap this up a little bit so let's just sort of get to the end of it that was a whirlwind tour of e-commerce uh, it's very much a grand overview we've not going to not really not drilled down into any detail as such um, but we've gone through the different types, uh, global pre- prevalence, recent trends and landmark moments. Uh, e-commerce is far more than just shopping online. Yeah, it is. It's a total reflection of the evolving digital world. But this is the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more that we're going to be discovering, exploring. Uh, we are going to be publishing every week and do some deep diving into what makes e-commerce tick. It, this is a, a podcast for someone who's just starting their journey. If you've never set up an e-commerce store before, if you've got one that you'd like to see do better, if you're a shop that has dabbled in it and looking to to make it more part of your core business, then I think that we've got some things that could really help you. And anything in between that is absolutely where we think that we can make a difference take your business further yeah i have been alex and i have been andy and then next time we'll go into a bit more about who we are what we do and what we think e-commerce is doing in 2023 onwards uh, that will need your attention uh, and that will be the end of today so we will catch you next week uh, we've been web wings and we hope you have a safe onward journey thank you thank you